Superstition and Praise, thank you so much for joining us on episode 97. We going in presents here with these speaker bullies. How are you guys doing today? Going well, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yes, indeed. I mean, that, that, that's way too polite of a response for, for, for speaker that bullies. Was, I was expecting was. some disrespect. I was expecting something. Man, fuck uh, you. Yeah, 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 no, nah, we're not doing that. <laughs> nah, that's the thing. That's see, that's the that's the whole vibe of the speaker bullies, man. We just we just uh mature grown up guys, but when the music's playing, it's almost like an alter ego. You know what I mean? Like we go to work every day, take care of our families, and you know, you know, people wouldn't think that when they listen to the music, but you know, that's where it comes from, man. Right. I think- oh, sorry, praise. Go ahead. No, no, that was I was going to just basically confirm what what Super just said. Like we're just we're regular, like regular dudes, but like all the aggression, all the all the all that stuff comes out in the music like effortlessly. Like we're not trying to be a certain thing. That's just what comes out. So right. Can't help it. <laughs> Especially, you know, and it a lot of it comes from, you know, just dealing with with going to work every day and you know, just like we talk about on the album, like good guys, bad days. Like you could be a real good guy, but somebody could piss you off or whatever. And I know with my type of personality is either I'm cool or I see red, like there's no in between or whatever. You know what I mean? It's either David, you know what I mean? It's either, you know, Bruce Banner or the Hulk. Probably David Banner too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. He goes, he flips in between personalities too. He can be conscious, you know, they can, wait till you see, bud. You know, you know, yeah, you gotta have duality. Absolutely. Man, so what's the last thing that's made you guys see red? Mm, this vinyl order I just did. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's in kinda, though. It's finally in, right? Yeah, it's finally in. But it took. Um, I ordered it in March, and it took until now. And they told me it'd be four to six weeks. So, uh, it didn't look like it was making any progress. And sure enough, like clockwork, I had to get aggressive. And it came, it showed up in a week. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you wow. have to do that, man. It's crazy. Because, I mean, I've heard there's a backup on vinyl orders, but I haven't heard it's like that bad where it would be like six months. Yeah, so it, this one wasn't really based on the market. It was the situation they had going on. I guess people left the company and, you know, they kind of dropped the ball on some things. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, look, I just want what I ordered. You know what I mean? I'm not... <laughs> You know, and this and this comes from me working a, a a day job and you know, you know, working in project management. Like at the end of the day, nobody cares about your problems. They just want what they paid for. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. and the last thing you want to do is be processing a bunch of refunds either. Exactly. And that's why I was real uh careful not to take any money until I knew it was on the way. Because I've seen some artists, you know, they've do, they do pre-orders and Oof. something goes wrong and it's a nightmare. Yeah. I've, I've seen the fallout. Just watching comments on 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 Twitter or I guess the, the app formerly known as Twitter and like all these other social media sites of like upset fans and like artists that don't have the best customer service. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and then you can't you can't get away from it because it's like I've seen artists, they'll go up and they'll post a picture of like their kids or their moms and somebody's in the comment like where's my fucking record <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know, like, like they're relentless when you owe people something that they paid for man right like yo my homie passed away 
that's cool. But where's my order from three months ago when he was still alive? Like they don't care, man. It's crazy, man. Dude, do do not take that 1999, man. Don't like it's not worth it. Absolutely, man. Man, you know, do do you find too that your fans are a little like? Because I I feel I feel like the fans that gravitate towards um, your music probably wouldn't do you like that on social media. I mean, do you feel like like you guys have fans that kind of might be more understanding, might be like a little more patient. Yeah, I I know from my personal experience, I know they're a little bit more understanding because I try to come off really personable to the people that support me. And, you know, in a way I feel, I feel that way because I'm thankful for one, but also because it's a small group of people. And so I like to communicate with people and people hit me up and, you know, if they're asking like a, a genuine question or something like that, I, 99 percent of the time i'll respond unless they're sending like some trash beats or something but <laughs> i try to keep like a good relationship with the people that support me and um i posted something today and it's like look i'm i'm here for my supporters like i'm not here for the people that are just randomly watching like right. i have a core group of people that you know and i and i love them to death man you know they they support whenever i put something out i think a lot of times it's me in my own head like man ain't nobody gonna buy this you know what i mean Man, you know, so it's great that the vinyl did come in and that, you know, you got fans who are patient and everything, you know, it's, it's great to hear you guys working together. And it just sounds like such a natural pairing, you know, how did, how did speaker bullies really come about? Right. You want that one? Yeah. We ended up having like a lot of mutual friends that tried to like, you know, they actually tried to hook, you know, put us together like long before we even, before I thought it was a possibility. So my manager is Big Doe. A long time ago, he was like, yo, you should, you would rock really well with, um, with Superstition. You familiar with Superstition? I was a big fan already anyway. I just never thought I'd ever have the opportunity to like talk to him, let alone, you know, us working on music or whatever. So I was like, yeah, you know, if it comes up, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm for that. And then um, there was another, I'm blanking on his name, Super. There was another person that. um Proverb, Proverb. Proverb. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Proverb. Yeah. Incredible, no. uh, incredible MC, just a really dope person. Uh, he passed away some time ago, but he was probably the, the catalyst for the speaker bullies. Honestly, he was the first person that I like, really like. He was he was persistent about like making sure that we linked up some kind of way. Yeah, he was um the first person to put me on the praise. He sent. I remember he sent me an email. I still have the email. He was like, "Yo, you got to check this guy praise. I think you guys will sound great together." And I didn't check it immediately, but then when I went to uh praises page i think it might have been a soundcloud link or something like that and uh i heard joints that he had done that i i knew the song but i didn't know who produced it and i was like yo this is this is dope then i started listening to some of the other beats and i'm like okay this guy's really really dope but you know first thing i have to check and kind of see you know what type of personality people have or whatever <laughs> but then like like he said he was managed by big doe and big doe is one of my my homie since the nineties or whatever. Like he managed me for a short time. He also manages little brother, big pool, different people like that. So it was like, he said, it was just, uh, you know, just mutual people connected us together. And when we recorded the music, I'm like from the first song we did, I think the first songs we did on uh, my album gold standard, it was just like, you know, you could tell there was chemistry there. And, you know, I was out this past weekend um, you know, just out at the event and people kept coming up to me saying, yo, man, like the speaker bullies is, is dope. 
like y'all got something special, man. Like it's, it's like people just blown away by it. They they see the yeah. chemistry. They you know they hear the chemistry. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's it was a it was immediate to me. Like I, the the first second we talked about music and kind of just life and whatever, it was just like it was an instant instant like you know chemistry, just music and just 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 being a person in the room in general. Like the the question you just asked Super about like how he treats fans or how he sees himself, you know, with supporters or whatever. Like I take a lot of cues from Superstition because he's you know, he's obviously done this a little bit longer than I have. But just seeing how he is with his fan base, kind of I've kind of modeled how I speak. I don't, I don't consider people who like my music like fans. I don't even think I'm on that on that type of classification level yet. But people who support my music or like what I do, um, it's really easy to just reach out and talk to all of them when they reach out. It's it's nothing to just you know communicate or whatever. Just be a personable yep. person. So. When I saw that he was like that and he was he had, he was mindful of those kind of things, I was like, this is somebody I can really work with musically and then don't mind spending time with like to work on this stuff. Because there's people that you can have musical chemistry with, but you, don't, <laughs> <laughs> you may not your lives may not have a whole lot in common. So yeah, that's boy, you, you yeah, you you preach it to the choir, bro. <laughs> like I said, you know, just the just the fact that he's a he's a good dude, he's humble. Um, you know, never like never a diva about things, man. And you you'll be surprised, uh, especially when you're dealing with artists, you know, not not necessarily artists or divas, but they have very strong personalities and they're very particular about certain things. So um there's a lot of producers that I like their production, but personally, I wouldn't want to deal with them. You know what <laughs> I mean? And there's some, you know, even when I did. Like, and this is no disrespect to Stoop from Jedi Montrix. I did an entire album with Stoop at the end of the project. It was just like, it was so frustrating. It felt like I had been chasing a serial killer, trying to get used to this guy's personality and, you know what I mean, just how he changes things up constantly. It was, you know, at the end of the, when we finished the project, it just never came out. I just, I don't think it it um, translated well to the music. And then at the, you know, when we finished the project, I was like, I'm cool if I never talk to this guy again. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things, man. You know, you got to have that type of chemistry. And to me, I don't really care how big the producer is as far as their name goes. It's just about that music, man. It's about that sound and that vibe. Yeah, for some of that, it, it's that's part of what makes some people great. Like, this is how they tick. Like, you mentioned, you know, Stu, the same stuff that, that might make them a little bit challenging for you to, you know, for y'all to, do what y'all do. It's the same, probably the same thing that makes him so creative or, you know, right. The, he has the fan base he has. So, I mean, it's, it's, right. it's you're rolling dice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it just goes back to personality. Like, you know, just like I said, with, with how he worked, with how Stoop worked, that could work for different people like Vinny Paz and other people that, you know, right. know him personally and deal with him. But I was just a, you know, just a new personality that, you know, just had to, you know, deal with it. And me, I just, I'm, and Praise knows this, I'm really, I record really fast and I'm really easy to work with or whatever. It's just, send me the beat, I'll do what I need to do. If I need to change something, that's cool, but let's go to the next song. Like, I don't spend, you know, days and weeks on one song. It's just, you know, it ain't rocket science. It's just rapping, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, you're turning around. Wait, was that Stoop record even record? Was that the Baby Grand Days? Nah, this was um this was after that. This so the record I did with Stoop was um uh, when I left the music industry, um because <laughs> because Stoop doesn't keep up with the internet. He had no idea that I quit the music business. So I just got an email one day and it was like, hey, this is Stoop from Jedi Montrix. Don't know 
I don't know if you remember me. And I'm just like, I was like, okay, this is funny. <laughs> so um, he reached out and wanted to do some music. And that's really the reason why I came back to the music industry was I was working with Stu. But I think at that time he had left, uh, temporarily left Jedi Mind Tricks. And he was just working with a couple of different groups and stuff like that. And he reached out to me. I didn't know that's why you came back. That's crazy. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, I did the project with Stoop. And then after that, I was like, I need to do some superstition shit. So that's when I did the blackboard and it, it just kept moving from there. You know what I mean? I just kept recording. It kind of, you know, got my love back into music again. It's incredible too, what you're saying too, about just the importance of like, at this stage of the game being, you know, on the same same page with people as far as like personality who you guys collaborate with and like it being like a good experience versus like going for names or going for you know streams or i gotta get this person you know knowing it's just gonna be a headache and and probably just make you hate the whole process i mean it's it's that that's a really interesting shift that that you people don't often talk about yeah because people you know like you said people at the end of the day they just want streams they want numbers they want engagement it's much easier to go out find a bigger producer or a bigger artist and kind of attach a name to it and and just let you know their name kind of sell the records but i honestly feel like that doesn't necessarily win you supporters right to say if i did a project with a, a big producer um the project after that what i would it get the same amount of love if I didn't have that producer on it or you know that rapper on it it probably wouldn't you know so it's like it'll win you some new fans but I think people do that because it's about skipping steps you know everybody wants something you know instant gratification and things like that for me it's just I need something that's just just organic when it comes down to the music like I said um you know a lot of my solo projects I put out you know I'm the the producer I don't have a lot of guests on it and things like that and I'll speak of bullies we did something a little bit different because, you know, we, we had a couple of artists that we were mutual fans of and we wanted to work with, you know, even like four eyes, big pool, different people like that. Um, right. you know, we, we did that, but it wasn't no thing like, yo, we gotta have a feature on this song. You know what I mean? For this mm. record to, to sell or for people to listen to it or what well, we would just have conversations like, yo, I could, I could hear four eyes on this joint or something like that. You know? Yeah. Right. We got, work like this like we literally got everybody or most most of the people we got were just they're just people that we just we mutually are huge fans of like Midas mm -hmm. these are just people like Superstition put me on the Midas a little while ago and I just been a big fan ever since so when I when he sent when he let me know that Midas is going to jump on the track I was just like this is it just makes too much sense like it's, it, they're yeah. both if you listen to that track they went crazy on there and it's just right. Everybody on this album, it just makes sense. It, obviously, there was no, no, we didn't reach for anything. It just was very organic and 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 just realistic. All these all these collaborations just make sense. Yeah, and then you know, praises work with Sky Zoo and Pooh as well. So you know, like you said, it just it just made sense. You know, we would kind of, you know, we didn't have a list of artists that we wanted to work with, but as we made the songs, we we would have different people in mind. But the problem was nobody wanted to rap. It seems like nobody wanted to rap on these songs with me because uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, we, we send out features and people be like, uh, no, no, my brother. <laughs> Man, so is that a compliment or do you, do, you, do you take offense at that? Like, how do you how do you process that? No, I take it as a, a compliment. I mean, I'll never understand it because I guess that's the competitive spirit that I have. 
is I don't really care who's on the song. I'm going to go in and do, you know, the, the absolute best that I could do. But, you know, some people, they don't want that. You know, they just want to kind of drop a verse and, and keep it moving. So, you know. Yeah. I don't think there's never been anybody that I've been intimidated to be on a song with. Now, there's been times where people have gotten the best of me, but I've never been intimidated. You know, it's like, I'm, you know, it's like, you know, I'm not scared to fight, you know, <laughs> you know, so. Have you ever had artists go back and kind of redo their verse once the, once you send their <laughs> vocals back? Because that's been a thing that I know artists have talked about in the past. Like, you know, he, you, you kind of get like maybe like a five out of 10 verse, you know, the artist lays their feature and kills it. And then all of a sudden the, the original artist trashes that five out of 10 verse and comes back with like a like, like an eight or a nine. Um, have you have you ever had that happen? Yeah, I do. I, I've, I've had that happen. Um. A lot of times they'll, you know, they'll say, well, and this is true sometimes that they want to match like the energy that I have. Like if there's a beat and, you know, guys rapping all calm and smooth and then I'm coming, you know, I'm coming as far as like my delivery, it, it's really aggressive. So then a lot of times they'll go back and do it. But there has been cases where I'll drop a verse and sometimes people go back and they were just like, nah, I got to redo this shit again. You know, some people are just straight up and honest about it. And there's times yep. where I wish I could have redone my, you know, re redone my <laughs> verse, you know, even like that what joint with, uh, I always talk about with, with Elzai and, uh, Royce, the best to yeah. do it, the DJ <laughs> KO joint. I had no idea. I just gave KO a verse and didn't know who would be on the song. And later he added Royce and later he added Elzai. And I was like, nah, this was like, you know, this, <laughs> this was my B grade verse. You know, this wasn't <laughs> like my A game, you know? Yo, normalize rewriting your verse whenever you need to, or whenever you feel like you need to. That's what I want from the producer yeah. standpoint. It, it makes the song better. If everybody feels like they need to like improve or whatever, I'm for it. It's yeah, an MC yeah. to have it's a it's an ego thing for MCs, but <laughs> from my standpoint, like this is this is it, it raises what's that what's the 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 that quote like the the tide raises all boats or whatever. Right, right, right. Whatever. Anyway, like if, if everybody's trying to improve the verse, the song just gets better. So I'm like, I'm all for this. I hate that, that people are being shamed out of doing that. Right. And I think and and I've started to, you know, look at it that way as well as like, look, at the end of the day, did it make a good song? Like just because two people or three people on a song trying to outwrap each other doesn't make it a good song. It makes right. it good for like one listen, but that's not it doesn't have a lot of replay value to it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, did you make a, a good song, like a great song that people want to listen to over and over? Man, you just took out like most of the 2000s underground rap collabs, though, man, with that, with that, with yeah, that statement. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was, look, I was a victim of it, too, because it's, you know, a lot of it is cash grabs, you know, like somebody wants a verse, you just, you just throw a verse out there and you don't know who, who will end up on this song, um, you know, and I realize this man that's not really organic music so i stopped doing a lot of features because of that because i didn't know who else would end up on a song right and you see it so not not as much now but i mean in the myspace days you know like artists i mean i remember even royce doing it you know 500 for a verse you know like oh yeah oh, and yeah. it was like a line around the corner you know online of you know guys paying 500 but it's like what are you going to get out of that right yeah right yeah but usually and it's and so here's the thing features because it's it's a it's a slippery slope when it comes to features. Um people think fans can't tell who bought a verse, right? <laughs> fans could 
could listen to the quality of the artist and then listen to the feature and know who paid for their verse. It's like mm -hmm. either your homies or you cut a check because there's always, there's usually a skill difference. Like, especially if you got like a Royce verse and you get like, you hear Royce doing his thing and then you got a guy who can barely like ride the rhythm of a track. And it's just <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he bought that or whatever. So, you know, it's just like, people have to be more mindful of that. Like you can buy verses, but you know, it's, it's almost like paying somebody to punch you in your chest. Like you gotta be able to keep up with the artist that's on the song, man. Yeah, if you can line somebody up, like you can, right. you can get somebody with, with you know with with a name and a fan base and all that, and then cook them on there. And now you yeah. know you look, he looks crazy. You look like you know David took out Goliath. <laughs> you got money's worth. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Yeah, that, that that's incredible, man. You know, um, I I think too what what I really enjoyed about the the Speaker Bullies album is like your superstition like you know i've interviewed you for a long time now um and you know listening to your music like especially go you you know you just drop every last word that's like a really personal album uh you know really introspective and now you've got speaker bullies where it really lets both of you guys just be aggressive um and just be out there um well it's also like less personal was, was there a free end process for you guys in in the terms of like just kind of allowing yourselves to be the speaker bullies and not cam or superstition or praise but like did you did you feel some freedom there where you kind of had license to just maybe act on some things that you never maybe might do you know on on a project like every last word or something like that yeah i think so man for me it's it, it felt like creative freedom. Like for me, I've always liked creating something new. So doing the speaker bullies project, you know, it, it's, it's weird with hip hop because, you know, some artists are allowed to create different personalities and, and different personas like killer Mac killer. Mike could have his uh, solo stuff. They, then he can also do run the jewels and he also could do his political thing. Some artists, they, they're just granted a pass to do that, you know? And there are times where I feel like I want to be able to do that. Just like Art of Disrespect or, you know, Speaker Bullies, I look at kind of like if you look at, like, the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe, like, you've got the Joker movie or the Batman, but it doesn't tie into, like, the other universe. So Speaker Bullies, to me, kind of represents that. It's my chance to do something standalone away from what I usually do. But, you know, mm. I think... The problem is people try to tie it back into like real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm oh, sorry, praise. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna just kind of tag on to what, what Super just said, and like it was a, a lot of it was just you know like like he mentioned creative freedom and just kind of just flexing. It's just like a just like and one street ball. Like we're just we're just going in. We're not trying to set up plays and run a, a you know a calculated offense. It's just us kind of going in. Uh, analogy. Yep. It, it kind of got the biggest traction was one that did have a concept though, which is funny to yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, usually. Um, and I think about this, when you have an album that's all, you know, introspective and, and serious, but you've got one song of you just going off and just being like, you know, just rapping raw bars people always going to love the song with the raw bars. If you got an album full of just bars and then you got a concept, people always going to love the concept. So I <laughs> right. think that's what, you know, made people, you know, gravitate to, especially like sick and tired and, 
you know, um, also like good guys, bad days and things like that. Like we wanted to mix it up, but at the end of the day, like he said, this is kind of our version of, of and one street ball. It's like we, everything that we love to do, like I love rhyming. I love writing. I'm like, let's turn that up all the way to 100, you know, praise his production is, is like, you know, I always say heavy drums, heavy bars. I'm like, do what you do, but also let's turn it up. Have a lot of beat changes. Let's have drum fills. Let's just do whatever. You know what I mean? Like there are no I restraints. And I think that's what made this a really, really great album. Man, I mean, that that's really cool. I mean, especially thinking about like, you know, the the way like you even were talking about this on Instagram yesterday and I totally identify with it is like, you know, when you're, you're in the office, you know, when you have that, the, the job, it's like you almost turn a part of you off and the skits really show that too. And, you know, so, so I guess my first question is, man, like, you know, how much of those skits, you know, thinking about, about that kind of, you know, the the difference between you know the real the real person versus the office version version is is something that you guys feel on a regular basis, but also like I'm curious if you, if any of your coworkers have heard have heard speaker bullies and what their thoughts are. Well, if Human Resources is listening, this is all fiction. Entire album skits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Um. Uh, for me. In my office, like there's a couple of people that know I do music. Um, even like the vice president knows, but he's really cool about it. Like he'll he'll walk by one day to be like, "What's up, super?" and he'll kind of <laughs> keep it moving. But for the most part, my personality is the same personality I have in the office. You know, they like they don't know me as superstition and what I do, but I'm always just really sarcastic and just funny and things like that. So. Um, it all kind of ties into it. And and a lot of things that I probably say on this album, I could say in the office or whatever. So yeah, it, it's not it, it's a huge difference between what you're doing here or like a, a teacher having an OnlyFans account. Like I feel like there's a huge <laughs> difference there. <laughs> Dynamic. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. No, I, my coworkers have no idea I make music. And like, I, I, that's exactly how I want to keep it because it's just, it's different questions I got to answer. So I don't even want to, yeah. I like that separation of, of church and state, so to speak. Yes. You don't want to be the music guy at work at all, at all. I've had in previous offices, I've had that before. I don't hey, want that. Cam, did you hear about those, uh, the Amigos, the rap yeah. group, the Amigos? <laughs> like, oh, fucking hell, man. <laughs> you don't want to be the music guy at work. No, man. no, no. You know, I actually appreciate hearing you guys say that, too, because like I've always kept it, you know, under wraps what I do, you know, just in general, because, um, you know, but I'm glad I'm not the only one that kind of felt that way, you know. Um, audio. OK. Yeah, I think you your, your audio dropped for a second. Would you say no? I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys saying that, because like I've always felt like that myself. Like I'm not, you know, as a as a as a classroom teacher, you know, I kept the music, you know, really just. I talked about it with some students who were really, really into it, like, like super underground stuff and like students of the game. But beyond that, like, I've always kind of kept that part of me kind of hidden from a lot of people. And it's it's cool to hear, I guess, that I'm not the only one that feels that way. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah you got to be in Clark Kent mode a lot of times. <laughs> you may find like one person that's really cool, but I think the issue that i've always had is the average person doesn't really know the difference 
or into the music industry. Like they feel like if you're in the music industry, you should be Jay-Z or you should be Kendrick Lamar. It's either you're them or you're a failure, like to the average person. So I don't really get into those music conversations a lot of times because people, they don't really understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why are you working here? Like what? It's like, you don't, you don't hang out with, with you yeah, know, you me. Must, you, right. You can't be that good if you come into work every day. Like, you know, that's what, <laughs> you know, that's what the average person thinks. So Right. Right. So yeah. Just, the reputation is like, you're just, the, you know, the garage band dude. You're just in the, you're just somewhere just like aspiring or it's like a hobby or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you know, I, for me, I personally, you know, I rather keep my, my music persona separate. And then also I like the fact that people do a certain way. Like I go to work every day. Nobody treats me a certain way because I'm superstition. Nobody has expectations of me because, you know, I've traveled the world or, or done albums and, and, and done all these things. I just like, it's like with family, like going home to family, like my family doesn't care about me rapping. They don't care about music. You know, they just, you know, they just want to deal with me, you know? The other piece of that I'll say is it feels like it's getting harder and harder to find people to talk hip hop with. Like you get your people that know Jay and Kendrick and Drake, but like if you take it like a layer deeper, right, you're talking superstition, little brother, um, you know, immortal technique. It's like, like who, who are you talking about again? Like I've never heard, I've never heard. Like, do you feel like just, it's hard to find people out there guys who like actually know like hip hop and not just kind of what's on like the big Spotify playlist and, and, and artists like that. Uh, yeah, I think I think, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no, I just think it just, it just depends on kind of, kind of the circle that you cultivated or whatever. Cause it's, I, I, there's no shortage of people I could talk to about the music that I'm inspired by. And I think probably because of social media or like just the, the availability of certain information or whatever, it might be actually easier now than it has been. Like in the past, it might've been more difficult to find somebody that was, that was, you know, into, you know, artists beyond like mainstream or whatever. I think now it's, it's probably easier to find people that, that have that, that interest and, and that ability to talk about it. True. True. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a great point. Yeah. I look at people that, especially like, people that came up on, you know, independent music, you know, I, I kind of use the analogy of like, we're like Mandalorians, right? It's like kind of <laughs> scattered out through the universe. And then, you know, we, we kind of have a code, certain things we listen to certain things we, we, we do. Uh, we still dress the same. A lot of us from that nineties era, we still dress the same, you know what I mean? We kind of listen to the same things, but uh, we don't try to talk music with the average person. Like if I go sit down in a barbershop and hear some guys talking about music, or the music business, I would kind of get frustrated because I know a lot of it isn't true, but you, right. know, you know, so, um, yeah, I just think we're kind of a, a rare breed and it's cool to find people that, you know, that can relate to things that you've been through or they know about the era. Like they can talk about rock is, or they could talk about Pete rock and CL smooth. But I think a lot of people from that era, a lot of them have just grown up and kind of aged out of music. So mm. they don't keep up with anything. The only thing they kind of keep up with is what's being played on the radio or what's on a playlist. I think a lot of them had just lost the interest in finding new music because, because that's what really made us great in the nineties was we just knew how to discover and find music. We, I mean, we used to go through stacks of records, go to music stores in there for hours, trying to find one good album, you know? <laughs> yes. 
I there's mean, the message of, boards, everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yep. it, there's a lot of extremely dope new music coming out, like uh, from people who make the kind of music we like. But it's just it gets it's easy to get lost in this sea of just people that's doing stuff. So whoever figures out how to like cultivate like that kind of music and like like bring it to people and like kind of showcase it or whatever, that's what's gonna be winning. Like whoever figures out how to be clue 2023 is is <laughs> that's what's gonna figure it out and kind of kind of bridge some gaps. Yeah, because it used to be about breaking new music and having something that everyone didn't have. Right. But, exactly. Yes, but now this current generation, and it's not even just younger people, but this this social media and internet age we're in, it's like we've really lost like our identity. Like if you even if you go to like the explore page on it on Instagram, like most of the people on the explore page are gonna look the, look the same, dress the same. When it comes down to music. It's almost the same. Like there's really not an identity. If I, if I if I go to a festival in California, people dress damn near the same as they do as a festival in New York. They dress the same as you know uh, as they would as as a, as a uh, festival in Atlanta. So it's just like I just don't think the the identity's there anymore. Back when we used to want something and and have something that was special, like we had albums or we had sneakers or something that you didn't have. It was cool, but now I think it's it's the age of just sharing information and sharing everything. Like, you got that? You got that beat? What's that sample? Like, they just <laughs> want everything. Like, nothing is sacred anymore. Yes. Every everything is just it has to has to be out there and no questions are off limits. Right. right. But that right. was the joy in it though. That's the joy was finding these things. Like seeing somebody with like a new a new pair of sneakers and you didn't know them and you just had to track it down or you heard a song somewhere and you couldn't shazam it you had to literally do your research to find out what that song and what that artist was that was the beauty in in music for me yeah i mean i i I, i've said this before but i feel like genius you know rap genius or whatever you know genius.com like i feel like it's made music a little more boring like because you know, and, and wrong too. I mean, there's a lot of terrible <laughs> annotations on that site, which are kind of hilarious, <laughs> but like, man, like I, I had a student one time and she told me, I don't really listen to to music. I just go on lyrics. I, I just read the lyrics. I don't listen. And <laughs> wow. that was wild to me. I was like, wow, these lyric sites, you know, are it, it's, it's changing the game in, in ways that I'm not sure I, I personally love, but then I sound like an like like an old head I used to criticize. I'm like it's so much better before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. You just you you look up and you slowly like understand some of those sensibilities, and it's like, well, yo, when did this happen? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, it Man. used to be cool to read. Uh, you know, have lyrics to the albums back then, and, and there were the correct lyrics because the artists were provided. That's from the yes. artists. I, with you know genius as well and it's not a knock to them but i've seen uh some of my lyrics on it and i'm reading through it like i didn't say that <laughs> i always remember this one verse where i said uh what did i say i'm a, a southeast artist who murders it regardless and it's like they said i'm a southeast problem i'm murdering green goblins i'm like <laughs> that makes no sense like if i was to read that i wouldn't be a fan of superstition <laughs> 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 so it's just a lot of just bad lyrics out there, like annotations, and you know, it's just I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh. I have my I have my feelings about that. I, I'm I'm in the old man category too, I guess, man. <laughs> man, now, I mean, I'm from where you used to like an artist 
because of um, their skill level, not necessarily because of how catchy their stuff was or whatever. And maybe that's this is probably an old man take on um, on being a fan of somebody. But it was almost like I like somebody because of what they can do. The person I like is so much better than the person you like or whatever. <laughs> right. Like that, that kind of not just that, but just being a fan of somebody's uh, like their skill set is so high. The average person can't do this stuff like kind of thing. And now it's almost like I like this person because they're available, like they're out and they're they're on TV and they're known. And, you know, what I mean, I, I like them now. <laughs> yeah. And, and the skill set has kind of, you know, diminished. And it's and and the reason why is because there's no longer a learning curve to do music. There's no longer I'm going to, you know, learn to rap and work on my craft for two, three years or five years or I'm going to make beats for five years. I mean, people literally buy music equipment and begin working on their first album, right? People start, you know, wow. <laughs> people literally start rhyming and start recording songs and which that's what we did a lot of times, but nobody heard them, you know? So I think a hmm. lot of this music that's coming out, just imagine, praise, imagine if someone heard your first beats, like if they were on an album, the first beat you ever made, Right, the first right. rhyme, you know, first rhyme you ever wrote or anything, something like that. But now it's out there. Like, this is what we're experiencing now because nobody's taking the time to to hone their skills. And, you know, there's damn sure not any A&Rs or anything like that. So it's it's instant. The, the moment they feel it, as soon as they begin, the music has now entered the same realm of people who have been doing music for 20 or 30 years, man. And right. that's really what kind of pollutes it somewhat yeah that that, that that's a great point as to how easy it is um you know and, and praise something that really stood out to me on speaker bullies throughout was just the variety of drums but just how hard those drums are hitting was was that an intentional decision there yeah it, it was so i i typically like to just kind of i i like drums like that's just the the <laughs> that's the the era of production i kind of cut my teeth on so i'm just that's just kind of like something i like to do i like to drum i like to I like stuff that sounds like a live drummer was there and it just comes from like drumming, like in church, just like your drummer is, even if the song is kind of like a, you know, a softer, a softer tone song or whatever, the drums still have to kind of carry through the whole, the whole church. They have to kind of hit that at some velocity. So that's something I always kind of carry through every production, but speaker bullies is the time to like show out. Like that's like a point guard, you know, caught with the isolation play. Like you can, now it's time to go in. So that was like the, that was the green light for just crazy hard drums. Speaker Bullies is like the new drummer in church, right? Like he's, he's doing <laughs> drum feels all throughout the song it's and like everything. The, the drummer in church and his girlfriend is in the back. <laughs> so he's, got, <laughs> he's trying to go in, show out, do everything. Yeah. But, uh, but no, yeah, I mean, that's not unnecessary, you know, drumming. It all makes sense within the context of these songs. But yeah, that's, that's kind of something that I really enjoy about production is just, just you know, drum programming, drum playing. Yeah, his, yeah you get, his, you get, I, get, I get asked all the time, what is he using? Like, as far as the equipment he's using, <laughs> how does he mix his drums? People constantly <laughs> ask. That's the main thing people want to know about praise is how does he get his drums to sound this way? <laughs> yeah, the, the funniest thing is a lot of stuff that I was taught like early on, a lot of things that, that the engineers and, and people that know way, way, way more than me was that... Um, nobody can hear red and i didn't know what that really meant but they were just like you know 
your all your all the audios, I'm mean, all the visual stuff that you're using that tells you when something is distorting or whatever. It's a it's a warning that you know you can verify, but here's what I'm seeing. But nobody can hear red. So don't don't be afraid to kind of hit hit the red a little bit. If it doesn't sound distorted, it's not. So mm. I that's just that's just kind of what I go by. That's why my eardrums were ringing when I was recording this album. <laughs> <laughs> just like, like I, had to, I had like a normalized negative three to bring that joy down. I was like, yo, my eardrums is ringing right now, man. Right, right. <laughs> man, that, that, that's incredible, man. You know, and how about sick and tired, man? You know, that that's a song that, you know, like you said, got a lot of a lot of a lot of love, a lot of talking. You guys did the video for it. Um, you know putting a song like that out, man, you know, especially like, like superstition, like you're, you know, you and your wife clearly like take a lot of pictures together and, you know, um, so it's like, you know, she just came, came down to North Carolina, you know, for the block party with you. Um, like you guys do a ton of stuff together and like, you know, you talk about what a tight knit family you are, you do a song like that. Like, how do you get in a place like that to put a song like, like, what's that mind state? Like, and then like, how does your family react to a song like that when, when it comes out? Um, so like with sick and tired, it's crazy because my wife was like when I record, she's like right in the next room, and I usually play her a lot of stuff as soon as I'm done. Um, sick and tired, I never got questioned on that song because you know we both are very, very, we're very funny people. Like I watch a lot of stand up comedy. We have a very twisted sense of humor in this house. I mean, praise is crass that my before he knows my wife cracks jokes the same way that I do like very very right. down to earth I think for the most part people would think like you know your wife is is, is uptight about things like that like no um you know and it, I always tell people too like you know I just did a project you know dedicated to her because she went through cancer some years back I'm like I wouldn't write a real life song about <laughs> my wife like that it's just a lot of times like I want to write something fictional you know like I listen to old Ice Cube songs and stuff like that, old Snoop Dogg songs, and those guys are married and stuff like that, but it's just like nobody ever questions that. I think it gets kind of, the lines get blurred because I make a lot of personal music, so people can't really tell if it's fiction or it's if it's fact or whatever. So like with Sick and Tired, it was just a funny song or whatever, and I remember me and Praise going back and forth, and he was like, man, I don't know, man, what'd your wife think? And I was like, man, she don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> Awesome. You know, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just, I'm just saying, I had to be convinced. I was, I was, I was on the fence. That was the only song that kind of gave me some pause. I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. This kind of, this kind of goes way harder <laughs> than I was expecting. But right, right. Yeah, it's like it was, and so that's the thing. Like with with that, I, you know, I would hear songs like Eminem's "Guilty Conscience" or something like that, and you know, it did have some shock value to it. But I also wanted to write from a perspective that nobody talks about this type of thing. Like literally sick and tired could be a, a project or an idea on its own or whatever. Because I'm like, well, they always say rappers are, you know, are too old after they're 30 and 40. But if they start talking about shit like that, people in their 30s and 40s can absolutely relate. So that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted to do it, you know. And the, and the funniest thing is, Brian, I think we're probably the worst messengers for this kind of song because, like, like we have, said, like, we have break marriages. Yeah, yeah it, it came to crash with our family for a while. We can't, yeah, I went down to, to, to Atlanta, crashed with this family for a while. We're, we're both happily married, great families, everything right. is great. 
<laughs> and we got this doom and gloom marriage song, marriage anthem. <laughs> I was like, yo, right. yo make there sense was no, there was no way I could have put a song about how much I love my wife on this album. Like <laughs> that shit just be absolutely nuts. You know what I mean? And it's crazy. Like people always uh, stick to like you know the sick and tired. Like man, like you know I couldn't tell if it was real. Like I'm literally rapping about guns on this album. You know. And I'm just talking about smacking coworkers, and I'm just like, damn, this is the one song you think is real, right? Like, <laughs> I probably did. smack a, I probably smack a coworker before I talk to my wife, like I do on Sick and Tired. Like, it's safe. <laughs> it's safe to smack a coworker, <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> right? You know, it's people, it's people from from uh that I'm cool with from church or whatever. They was like holding me accountable, like, yo, you need to pray for Superman. He's not. You don't don't sit up and just produce something like that. You need to reach out and see, you know, how could you I'm like, yo, it's all fictional. Like it's just it's just a concept song. Yeah. <laughs> Man, now if, if sick and tired was on every last word, I think I'd have have a few more yeah, concerns. Exactly. Now that would <laughs> tell you if you ever see a song like that on one of my personal albums, then you could pray for me and my family. <laughs> right? <It's> like, <laughs> something something might not be be going too well in the Moy household right now. <laughs> I appreciate the way you guys really laid out the skits and the way that it really held the album together. And um, you just don't hear too many albums with skits, especially ones that, that kind of hold the whole project together. Um, so really like, what was that creative process? Like, like writing the skits and, and really making that kind of like the glue that holds these different pieces together on speaker bullies. Um, so the idea for the skits and the interludes was really to, kind of tone down the album a little bit because the album is just masculinity and testosterone. <laughs> um, it's like when I, you know, I listened to it, when I went back and listened to all the songs, I'm like, yo, this is a dope album, but what can we do? I'm like a woman's voice as an interlude is, is kind of something that kind of calms, you know, kind of calms the storm or whatever. And then I looked at it, you know, almost like the uh, Midnight Marauders voice. Like you would always remember that in between the songs and things like that. Um, you know, I just wanted to have just just different skits that kind of added to the album, like the PSA skit. I put that, you know, at the end, you know, talking about weak dramitis, um, just because, you know, after listening to this album, like you're hearing all this aggressive music and stuff like that. It's kind of like, man, does it, you know, does it does it intimidate other rappers or other producers and things like that? Um, you know, we just wanted to give some skits that that made sense within the album. And I know, I think the younger generation probably don't like skits on albums, but it's crazy because they love skits online, like video skits. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think, you know, I think it added to the album. Um, you know, when we do the vinyl, that's the one thing that's not going to be on the vinyl or the skits, but, you know, everything else will be there. But yeah, I love the skits, man. <laughs> I did a lot of the uh, the voices and things like that too. Praise God, his uh, his 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 voiceover on on a, on, a, on a couple of joints too so yeah it's a couple of joints that didn't make the cut we had to cut for time or whatever this this, this right yeah. <laughs> at some point we probably put those get those on something yeah yeah definitely that that's great you know um and superstition man you just got back from the little brother block party that they, that they held this past weekend what what was that like man and 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 what was what you know what was your experience there Man, it was it was beautiful, man, to see, uh, you know, especially because we came up in, you know, almost the same scene. I mean, we came up in the North Carolina scene. We were just in different cities. 
but to see them go from that their start and then they were also the group that opened up for me at my seven years of bad luck album release party and that's when i i met most of those guys and became friends with them but to see the progression from then until now and i remember going to shows and very few people were at the shows but then to now see that many people in North Carolina come out and show love for them, it's just it just shows like, you know, things come full circle. Um, and we used to always joke about how we were known in other places and nobody showed love at home. But I think that was more of a homecoming for them. And it was very, very dope to see, um, especially like seeing some other cats from the Justice League, seeing other people that we, um, you know, came up on the scene with and even seeing some of the supporters you know at those shows when there were like 15 people or 30 people you know i saw a lot of those people out there celebrating as well too and you know it was just a to me it was just a beautiful thing man i'm i'm very happy for them um i think in the earlier years you know people were kind of divisive like you know everybody in north carolina was gunning to be that first person or to be the biggest person but i never really bought into that with uh with you know with little brother man they've always been like me fonte and Pooh have just always been cool like i know knife but i was just never like really close with them like that but you know me fonte and Pooh, man we always kind of consider ourselves family man yeah that, that that's really cool and you know they, they they were they came out west maybe six months ago just really cool to see how much love they got out here um, it was practically a sold out show. If it wasn't sold, it might've been sold out. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, just a, you know, a great show and just like, you know, great to see that fans, you know, you know, giving them their just due. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was cool to see the block party. That's when I wish I'm on the East coast, man. I would have made that drive. Yeah, it w- it definitely was worth it, man. It's definitely worth it. And they, they've worked hard to get where they are. And, you know, I, I, I celebrate and champion them, you know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of people think it's crazy too because I was I was with uh with Fonte and uh you know I walked in the room he was standing next to his mom and he he, he introduced me to his mom he goes look I got smoke for anybody in the rap game except for this man right here so it's like just <laughs> to have that kind of mutual respect or whatever is just really cool man that that's amazing man and, you know now now that the art of disrespect is out and you know you guys clearly have like great chemistry i mean is do you guys have plans for more music at this point yeah absolutely man we're definitely gonna do more music man oh, i know praise were you saying something no i'm just i was concurrent i was like absolutely okay <laughs> it do you think is this the, is this the last we'll see a speaker bullies or is there still some more aggression you guys got to get out there because i mean i i hope there is personally <laughs> but you know um what what do you what are you guys thinking in terms of speaker bullies? Um, uh, right now we just recording joints, man. Like, and it to me, um, Praise has a, a track on my upcoming project. Uh, you know, I'm willing to contribute on whatever he's working on at the time. We just we just recording it to me, even if it's not speaker bullies, I plan on still working with Praise. Like I said, we have an amazing chemistry. Uh, you know, we we have enough songs from I think songs left over to probably put out a, a speaker bullies EP or something like that or whatever, man. Like we just, we, we don't stop recording. Like we got a, a bunch of jams and stuff that people haven't heard. So um, yeah, we we got more stuff going on. As far as me, like speaker bullies, I always told praise, like I got so many projects 
in, in front of me right now. I just got to get through those, man. I got a, a, a this EP, and then I got three projects dropping next year, hopefully. So it's like <laughs> we got to, you know, if we do it, we got to do it fast, man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> nah, we got enough aggression for 10 more Speaker Bullies albums. To answer your question, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's tougher to find aggression now because it's like my life gets better. Like <laughs> that's the thing. Like it's I mean, aggression might be the wrong word, but like inspiration, right? Because like, I mean, I'm 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 super blessed. I'm I'm in I'm in a really good space, probably the best space I've been like in a minute. And then we're, <laughs> we're making these aggressive albums, so it's, it's a weird balance. But yeah, um, yeah, no, nah, I'm I'm already I'm ready for whatever whatever other speaker bully stuff comes up or whatever superstition needs for anything. And I got a, I have an instrumental album coming out uh, called the belief. And I'm it's also dope. doing it's dope too. It's really dope too. Yeah, it's, it's tough. If I may say so. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. miss, it's, it's a bunch of, of, of projects we have separately that we're both involved in. So, I mean, it's a lot. It's a it's it's a lot of new stuff from both of us and collectively, you know, coming coming uh uh in the near future. Yeah, and even when we're not even doing music together, like when I record joints, even if it's I produced it or somebody else produced it, um, I'll send it to Praise and get his feedback. Yo, what do you think about this joint or whatever? Like, you know, he didn't even produce it. You know, it's just one of them things. Or he'll send me a beat, and I'll be like, Yeah, this is dope. And he's like, Yo, what do you think? Like, we kind of just feed off each other and build off of each other, man. So we, you know, we have great chemistry and good friendship too, as well. You know? Yeah. Pretty much every beat anybody's heard, it probably came, it, you know, it, it hit super's um, mailbox first, probably <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Just back or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You got to have kind of a, a A and R, especially when you, and I think I said this on Twitter was like, when you work, when you make music alone or you work alone, you got to have a, a different set of ears. You know, because that time in praise knows this, you you make a beat and you think that joint's fire, you wake up the next day and it's man, you, I should have deleted this shit. So you, <laughs> you always gotta have somebody right there to kind of oh, give you, you know, a second opinion. 